now, it's Gardening Talkback with gardening specialist Scott Sharp. Welcome to Gardening Talkback on 2 and URFM for 2020. Scott Sharp, great to see you for the year. Yeah, welcome, welcome 2020. It's... Uh you wouldn't believe it last year, but here we are. And here we are. I won't say Happy New Year because we're in February, but... Well, it's always good catching up. We sort of have to work out what happened over Christmas and try and remember that, then New Year's, and uh, yeah. It's a big... Well, what do you got for us to kick us off? Well, I thought we'd... Because it's Chinese New Year as well, we talk yep. about the Chinese money plant, a uh, new climbing indoor plant called Snow Queen, and oh, I've got a plant joke for you. Oh, okay, right. We'll do that a bit later. I think we'll, we'll string this one out. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> to December. Straight off the bat, we've got George from New Lambton, and he's got a question about the passion fruit vine. Hello, George. How can we help you, mate? Yeah, Scott, mate. Um, our passion fruit vine we've had for three or five years has just died. Um, I was told to buy a grafted one. Is that right? Yeah, grafted ones are really good because they, they get an abundance of fruit on them, much more than, uh, I guess, your regular passion fruit vine. Uh, look, the reason they do that is because uh, your passion fruit is grafted onto the wild passion fruit rootstock. Mm. You, have, you have to sort of be a bit careful about those, and I'll, I'm going to describe why. Um, because people put them in, and for the first while, uh, look, I'd probably say two to three months, there's sort of this tussle between the passion fruit and the rootstock. And what you'll find is that the wild rootstock will actually sprout from below the graft. And it's pretty evident because the foliage is very different. It's grey. It's got a different shaped leaf. It hasn't got that really nice, uh, you know, bright, lustrous uh, leaf of the normal passion fruit. And what can happen is that that can, uh, wild passion fruit can actually take over. So for the first, uh, you know, two to three months, you just have to be vigilant. You know, every week go out there, just have a look below the graft and uh, sort of break or wipe off any shoots you see coming from below the graft because obviously you want the energy to go into the plant up the top. Yeah. And, and then generally after that three, you know, two to three month period, the, uh, the passion fruit has become strong enough and you don't have to worry about it so much. But always good just to, you know, every now, to, now and again to go out and uh, check to make sure it's not sprouting from below the graft. But, look, it is pretty evident. Uh, when that uh, wild one flowers, you don't really get fruit off it. You do get flowers but no proper fruit and you can tell the, the foliage is very, very different. And uh, th so they are, that is the main problem uh, with a grafted passion fruit but not insurmountable. Uh, you can certainly, uh, by doing what I've just described, uh, keep that under control and uh, you'll have, uh, you know, heaps and heaps of passion fruit and a uh, really nice plant over the fence. Okay, so I was told don't plant it near the one that's just died. Is that true? Oh, look, there's there's no reason for that. Uh, the only thing for that, um, you know, unless there's been some sort of poison or, you know, something uh, introduced into the soil. Um, but passion fruit only have a certain lifespan. I guess, you know, every three years or so, uh, you're probably best to plant a new one anyway rather than like's happened with you. Uh, you know, the old ones just died off over time. Uh, probably the lack of water and the heat hasn't helped it too much. Uh, mm. So, yeah, look, I, look, certainly no reason you shouldn't plant it in the, in the same space. Okay, so it's, a, it's only a wives' tale, hey? I, reckon, I was told. I reckon so, I reckon so. So what happens? Um, can I get a, a, an advanced grafted one? Oh, look, you, you, you don't really see them advanced, but the thing is, passion fruit are such quick growers anyway, uh, no need to get an advanced one. Usually they come in, oh, I guess what I'd call a four-inch pot, um, and generally they're about, oh, you know, a foot, a foot and a half, uh, tall, but uh, once they go in the ground, you start watering it in this heat, uh, they'll take off for you. 
Okay, so that's it. I can dig the other one out and put it in that because that's the best part of the um, garden to put it anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, 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 yeah, I was going to say if that's where the old one's been growing and doing very well, then yeah, look, replace it back into that into that spot as well. Might uh, mightn't hurt to feed up the soil a little bit uh, before you plant, um, but make sure that if you feed with cow manure and dig that in the soil in that area. Make sure you wait a week before you put the new plant in there, otherwise uh, it can uh, burn the roots of the plant. Mm, okay, right. so that's it. And how often should I water it? Uh, well, look, I would be watering every day, especially with the heat and the wind that we've got at the moment to get the plant established. Uh, once, uh, you know, we're about three to four months old with it, you can, you know, restrict that back to about a week every week if you want to. So... How long before I'll get fruit on it? Look, you won't get fruit this season, uh, and even if you did, uh, it'll probably start to try and fruit in May, and then it won't ripen. And we always get heaps of phone callers during winter, uh, people saying that passion fruit's got uh, fruit on it, but it's not going to ripen. And mm-hmm. I can anecdotally um, agree with that because my next door neighbour he had the same situation, and it drops off and rots. Uh, so, look, I would say you won't uh, get an effective crop until, uh, you know, next October or November. Well, sorry, this October or November, because we are in 2020. Okay, so yeah. when they come on, if they come on in the winter, um, as you say, they're going to be no good. So will I snap them off? Yeah, look, um, I, any flowers or fruit, you just pick them off uh, when they're... You know, anything that's... Any passion fruit that's trying to fruit after May, it, it might get, the like I said, the fruit on there, but it's certainly not going to ripen. So you might as well pick that off so it puts more energy into the actual growth of the plant rather than trying to sustain fruit that's not going to ripen anyway. Okay, Scott. Well, thanks. I'll let you go. Thanks, mate. Bye. Uh, No, always a pleasure, George. You call up any time and we'll talk about the passion fruit and see how it's going. Okay, bye. Okay, cheers, mate. Bye. And we've got Molly from Cessnock and she's got a question about the magnolia. Hello, Molly. How can we help you? Um, yes, I've had a magnolia for probably uh, maybe a few, quite a few years. Yeah. It's a, two metres high. It's quite a big tree. And um, probably about eight years I've had it. And it started to die off, like the leaves are gone brown. I was wondering, is it dying or do I need to do something to it or... Yeah, now, first question from me is, uh, because we got tip for tat here, you ask a question, then I can ask a question. So, <laughs> the uh, magnolia you've got, is that one of the deciduous ones that drop its leaves in winter? Yes. yes okay. I wouldn't be concerned. Uh, and the reason I say that is because those magnolias uh, do tend to burn off here in Australian summers, especially with the conditions we've had at the moment. Um, so uh-huh. quite often you'll see them with a lot of uh, tip burn on their leaves and even the leaves just coming off because it's just too hot for them. Uh, look, there's not, okay. much, there's not really much you can do about it. Uh, the great thing about them, though, is they are a fairly resilient plant. Uh, it'll drop its leaves and it'll just come back again for you. Uh, look, even deep water... And I don't... I don't need to prune it where they've died off. Well, look, that, that's entirely possible. But if you're going to do that, I would wait until it's, uh, you know, in winter uh, and then give it a light prune back then. Now, the trouble with okay. pruning back a magnolia, um, though, is that if you do it too late, uh, you're actually pruning off those tips where the flowers are going to come from. Uh, so you just have to be mindful about that, that you might not get as many flowers, uh, you know, this coming season that you would normally. Okay. That's all right. That's all good.
Yeah, okay. So that's look, all I wanted to know. Yeah, not much else you can do. Uh, you know, you could I could suggest deep watering the plant, uh, but with the conditions we've got at the moment, you're best just to cross fingers and uh, hope that the plant's got uh, you know enough firepower there to to get through. All right. Thank you. Okay. Thanks for that, Molly. Okay. Bye. Bye. Cheers. Thank you, Molly. We've got Padma now from Windale, and she's got a question also about passion fruits. Hi, Padma. How can we help you? You know, I was listening the passion fruit about. Yes. I had the grafted one was growing in my place. I think a couple of times I planted, you know? Yeah, yes. I want so many fruits. And this time I thought I'm not going to grow. And it grows from the seed. I got two plants. One each tighter because I made the shade and put the lettuce work. And when passion fruit comes, then I put it all inside. And then come from the seed and I got so many fruits. Excellent. So you've actually yeah. you've got the seed from the grafted passion fruit, planted them yeah. up, and and got them growing. Yeah. yeah look, that yeah. that's a great idea. Yeah, um, it's growing itself. Yes. So I think the birds maybe eat. You know. Yes. Uh, yeah. And now I got two plants growing, and I got so many fruits. And I made the lettuce. Look, I don't climb on the fence. Yes. I build a shade type and I clap put some lettuce work and put the passion fruit when it comes. I put it all inside. Yes. Yeah. Uh, look, that, and that's a really good idea over a yeah. shed. That's a fantastic place. They're getting full yeah. sun. They'll ripen nicely for you. Yeah. Um, and, and look, that shade and everything, you know. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, look, and look, you certainly can grow passion fruit from seed. Most yeah. people want the grafted ones because yeah. you know the idea is that they are a bit more vigorous. But you're having yeah. great success with yours, so uh, keep yeah. on doing what you're doing. I, I got Pemna Gold. Oh, you got the Panama Gold, yes. Yeah, you know, one. I found yeah. I found some at the market. They must have been those sort of bananary ones on Sunday. Though they, I haven't yeah. eaten them yet, but they look fantastic yeah. the way they are. But Panama Gold is so big one. Yes. And you cut the like the egg, you know, boil egg. You when you do it on the top, you take it out like that. Yes, you yes. You cut it like that, and so much juice and everything. Oh, that's really good. That's yeah. that, really good. You're having that success. Okay, I Padma. Let the people know they can grow with the seed too. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Gold is better one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you for that, Padma. Okay, love. okay thank we'll, you. we'll talk to you later on. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. It's Guarding Talk back on 2 RFM. If you've got a question for Scott Sharp, 49216216. And we've got Paul from Newcastle. He's got a question about strawberries. Hello, Paul. Yeah, how, can we, how can we help, mate? Uh, g'day, Scott. No need to talk about joke of the day. I'll let you know after this. Uh, but the strawberries and that, what's the best best way to grow them and what ground? Yeah, so strawberries, a really good way to grow strawberries is if you can, uh, I guess, get them up off the ground in a larger pot and yep. let them trail down over the edge. Uh, that's a really good way. You want to keep the snails off your strawberries as well. Uh, and to do that, you can put some sugarcane mulch around because apparently the snails don't like crawling over the sugarcane mulch. So that's a good oh, way well, to protect well, them well. here. Okay, that'd be nice and sweet, really, if it's sugar cane. Yeah, but look, <laughs> oh, that, yeah, that's a good way of thinking about it. But look, ge- generally, Paul, you need to have your strawberries in the full sun uh, to right. get that really nice ripening with them. And then just make sure, yeah, you've got the sugar cane there to try and keep the snails away. Okay, can I give you the joke of the day? Mate, you certainly can. Okay, what did one strawberry say to the other strawberry? Uh, what did one strawberry say to the other strawberry, Paul? <laughs> If we weren't bunched up, then that will all be this jam. Ah, oh, there we go. We'll, we'll, we'll pay that one. It was nice and clean. We'll, we'll accept it. I thought you might jam a joke about that. <laughs> right, good on you, Paul. Thanks for that. Thank you.
Thanks, Scott. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Look what you're started. I don't know that I started it. But certainly, we're going to take up the uh, the baton now and run with it. You haven't even said your joke yet. Well, it's it's just uh, it's uh, down in the cellar. It's uh, maturing, getting funnier <laughs> with age. <laughs> and we've got Rick from Cessnock. Got a couple of questions for us about petostrums and red robins. Hello, Rick. Uh, far away with your questions. Hi. Um, I planted fifty-five red robins. Yes. Red I, robin yep. petunias. Good. Good. And five of them died, yep. and I've replaced them. And this is three months ago, and one died again. Then a week ago, I planted ten petostrums, mm-hmm. and five have already died. Um, and also with the passion fruit vine, I did them. I put it in a week ago. The leaves have gone very soft and are very droopy. Now what I do is I dig a hole. Um, and I put a little bit of osmium coat in the bottom of it. Yes. Our soil is really good here. Yep. And put it back in and put a little bit of osmium coat on top of it mm-hmm. when it's all sealed. And then I water it daily. I've got, um, um, well, this was before the every second day, but I've also got my grey water that is, um, um, I don't use anything that's got phosphorus in it. Okay. So just to do those, um, and I don't know why, all I can think of is uh, where the petostrums are, that used to be a chook, a chook um, pen. So I don't know if it's that, that's done that, because yeah. um, the fruit trees are going great in there, and they were planted a week ago as well. I wanted them as a border around, because we've got um, netting, uh, a wire fence between us and our neighbours. So I want them to grow so it, you know, closes in a little bit. You know, I reckon that could be the problem because chukpu is, you know, high in nitrogen and yep. it would build up in the soil, you know, over a number... If the chooks were there for a number of years, it's going to build up yep. in the soil. So it might be worth uh, actually doing a pH test of that soil. Okay. And just seeing how, you know, as, you know acidic or alkaline it is. Uh, yep. And it's probably going to be very alkaline if the chooks have been there doing their business for a number of years. So, yeah, uh, yeah it might be worth um, thinking about that. Okay. Uh, look, generally, I'd say, look, the grey water doesn't sound too bad. Uh, mm-hmm. The conditions we've had at the moment, watering once a day for a plant that's, you know, really just come out of its pot and its root system hasn't spread out at all. Yep. Uh, probably isn't enough. I mean, really, yep. a, a plant in these conditions, it could dry out for half an hour yep. and it's just going to burn off and turn to a crisp straight away. So I'd be yep. uh, mindful of that and just going out and watering. Uh, if Twice a day yeah, with grey water. If, yeah. you're, if you're able to, um, if you're yep. home at that time. And look, certainly in the afternoon around 2 o'clock, uh, I know that, you know, there's that... Um, idea you don't go out and you know spray water willy-nilly all over the foliage of the plants but certainly going out there and soaking the root system uh, is only going to be helpful and with any plant that's brand new you have to remember that uh, you know essentially it's come out of its pot it's sitting in the ground and for the first two to three months its root system really won't have spread much out of that pot shape so you almost have to imagine for that period of time that it's still effectively sitting in its pot in the ground, so, you know, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit better. Uh, yep. So for that uh, time period of two to three months, you just have to be really diligent about your watering. Uh, like you said, if you can, two to three times a day, uh, mm-hmm. especially when we're getting... I thought that would be flood... Uh, I thought I would be over-watering and... No, 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 certainly not in the conditions that we've had at the moment. Oh, yeah, okay, like, maybe yeah. that's what I've done. 
look, it, it possibly is. I mean, when you're getting mm. these 40-degree days, wind blowing across the plants, mm. uh, like I said, they're just going to turn to crisp as, as soon as possible. Exactly. Yeah, and it, it um, may, may even be worth... Uh, you know, when we know we're getting these conditions and you've put new plants in to try and put some sort of wind barrier, um, you know, like a shade cloth, you know, around one side just to try and take yes. that sting of that wind off them. Yes. Well, that's what I've done with the passion fruit tree vine. Yes. But the leaves have still gone really droopy and fallen. But the uh, vine still looks green, so I'm just hoping it hasn't died. Well, look, I just keep on watering that and mm-hmm. uh, and try to, you know, resurrect it. Look, mm-hmm. I, I would suggest it's probably going to be um, the, the you know, the climatic conditions we've, we've had, uh, you know, for the past month or so as well with mm-hmm. the passion fruit. But certainly uh, water's going to be the only thing that's going to keep them alive at the moment. Okay. And just, just one more question. Yes. If you would know, um, for a screening plant, would, would you know one that would work well in the old chook pen if the pH level isn't right like a lot of those are natives or come from like New Zealand or South Africa yes um, would you know one that would work well in there just to give us a bit of screening yeah, and that would grow quite quickly certainly red robins like uh, an, an acidic or slightly acidic soil look okay. my, my feeling to would be um, mm-hmm. rather than try and choose a plant to suit the conditions um, yep. because you know it's going to be in a certain area uh, yep. to start trying to alter the uh, pH of the soil by using sulphur and watering it in sulphur okay yes. And you can get sulphur at your local garden centre and yeah. the packaging has all the requirements, you know, per square metre, um, you know, per yep. point of um, pH to change it. Yep. So it might be worth, uh, you know, rather than, you know, going ahead and uh, changing, um, you know, changing your plant choice, because you want to try and keep yep. it uniform, uh, yep. just trying to alter that, uh, that pH in that particular area. Okay. Thank you. Not a problem, Rick. That's what we're here for. Thank you for your help. Okay. Bye-bye. Good on you, mate. Have a nice afternoon. You too. Cheers, thanks, Rick. We've got Anne now from Cessnock, and she's got a question about tomato plants. Hello, Anne. How are you? Oh, well, thanks. Yeah. How are your tomato plants going? Uh, a friend of mine uh, today was complaining about his tomato plants. He hasn't had very much luck, but uh, I know he's probably just not so good at growing them. But <laughs> I'm sure you are, though, Anne. So what's your question for us? Well, um, I put in about half a dozen plants, yes. and I think two of them... Uh, only grew about a metre, the others only about a foot tall. Yep. All the fruit was very, very small. I'm, I'm usually pretty good at tomatoes, mm. but, um, yeah, I, I've had no success this year. You know, the, you, what you've just described is exactly what my friend described as well, so I'm going to have to take that back about him, about his uh, <laughs> inability to grow tomato plants. Uh, look, I think it's just been the weather we've had. Uh, I mean, normally you'd think that, uh, you know, tomatoes would like, you know, the, the hot weather, but they also like a drink as well. Yeah, no, we had plenty of water on them. Yeah, okay. Um, how often have you been watering them, for instance? Oh, at least probably twice a day. Okay, okay. So you've been doing the right thing then. Uh, that's the only thing I can put down to it at the moment. It's just, you know, we've just had hot, really windy conditions. Uh, I really can't put anything... It's not like we've had fungal disease or humidity this year. I think that's probably going to come on now in this next couple of months. Mm-hmm. Uh, but certainly, you know, we haven't had those usual fungal diseases and issues um, with tomatoes um, that, you know, we have every other year. I think it's just going to be the just the extreme conditions we've had now the other problem you can get of course with tomatoes are nematodes um, forming on the roots of the plant mm-hmm. and uh, look there's 
not too much you can do about that except uh, let the, the ground that you've got them play. you got them in pots or in the ground? Both. Both, okay. So if you've got them in the ground and you've got nematodes, you have to let the ground lie fallow and either um, sow uh, mustard seed back into it uh, or molasses as well, I've heard, um, is a, a way to get rid of the nematodes in the soil. Mm. Um, in the, in the, if you've got them in pots, you just change the potting mix yep. and, and discard that. Um, and nematodes, you can tell by, you'd usually get a wilting plant. When you pull one out, there's all funny nodules all over, oh, yeah. all yeah. over the roots. I they were little potatoes. No, there are. So you might have them. They're actually parasites, um, like a little wormy parasite, the nematode, mm. and it's uh, destroying the root system of the plant. So you might have nematodes in your soil, so it's worth pulling one out and just checking yep. on that. Okay. Um, but otherwise, yes, um, in the ground, um, molasses into the soil, sowing with mustard seed, yep. or just mustard plants, sorry. I, I shouldn't say mustard seed. I'm thinking about some Dijon mustard <laughs> in my fridge at the moment. Um, just mustard um, yep. plants, because apparently the smell gets rid of those parasitic okay. worms out yep. of the soil, and let it lie fallow for a yep. season. And if you've got them in pots, change this, discard the potting mix and start again. Now, compost, I do that <coughs> also, and I've got um, tomato plants coming up from the compost. Mm -hmm. they're, not, they're not even doing any, any good this year. Yeah, look, and again, my friend, he had his... I've had a tomato plant that, that came up from probably some bird in my backyard in a pot, yep. and, like, the plant's growing, but there's just nothing. And it's a little cherry tomato, and usually you get heaps off those. Yes. And I'm just getting nothing. It's just like, this plant sitting there, and, I'm, you know, I give it a pat every time I walk past it, but... Uh, yeah, look, no, no tomatoes coming off it. Um, I think this might almost be a tomato season to write off. If yeah. anyone out there has um, any good tomato tails, we're always happy to hear about those, though. And maybe, okay. what, maybe what they're doing to uh, to get them growing in this season. So, um, yeah, don't 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 sort of tune out yet. And someone might uh, ring up and give us some more information about what they're doing right. Okay, we're doing wrong. <laughs> okay, thanks okay. very much. Thanks, Anne. Have a nice Thank afternoon. You. Bye bye. Bye. Cheers. Thanks, Anne. Actually, I've got a question for you. Yes, as well. On my basil plants, yes, there was like these little dot, black dots on them. Are and you there? can scratch them away with your fingernail. Yes, and that's it. I just want to know what they are. You might have scale on there, right? Yeah, so you'd have to spray to get rid of scale. Okay, so scratching them off with my fingernail. Well, if there's only a couple on there, you can do that. That's a nice sort of um, yeah, was, you know environmentally friendly way mm, of doing it. It was right on the stalk, so I just did a whole afternoon of scratching away. <laughs> so you them. Took them inside and sat in the lounge <laughs> and did it for half an hour. <laughs> It's like, like scratching the dog, the dog under the chin, isn't it? Yeah, it took a while. Yeah. It was quite therapeutic, actually. <laughs> Did it purr like a cat if you were... Oh, I didn't hear. I have to put my ear closer to the leaves next right, time. Okay, we'll do that. <laughs> We've got Vicky from Morpeth, and she might have an answer to our tomato problem. Oh, thank you. Vicky's answered our call to arms. I think, I, leave Vicky, yeah, I, think, I think Vicky's done the old thing of leaving a radio turned up in the background. Quite possibly. She sounds like she's a bit of a vortex or something. And she does, like Doctor Who. Maybe calling us from another dimension. She, she another, could be. another time. <laughs> and we'll go to Pam now from Mayfield East, and she's got a question about petunias. Hello, Pam. How can we help you? Oh, yes. Look, um, my petunias that I have growing in pots yes. um, are dying from the roots up. Oh, that's... Brown. They're going brown, and... For a while, the flowers will keep yeah. flowering, but um, and some of them, if I cut them back, they might grow again. But I'm just wondering what would be causing them. 
Yeah, that's to that, die. Yeah, that's really unusual because I was uh, I can't even I was somewhere very hot the other day and I saw this beautiful bed of petunias and I thought there we go and a good old fashioned plant still doing its job and surviving in this heat and looking beautiful. Well, uh, this is what I always yeah. thought. I thought they're going to cope well with the heat. But they're not. Yeah, so with, with a petunia, and they, they can be susceptible to the humidity and fungal disease, but obviously we haven't had uh, too much of that lately. It's been more like living in a furnace out there. Yeah. Uh, look, the only thing that I can think of is there's the chafer beetle, which is the pupa of, of the, uh, you know, the Christmas beetle. And, oh. And they can be in the soil eating the root system uh, away. So I don't know if it's mm. worth having, you know, pulling a couple out and having a bit of a dig around in there and you find these big white uh, I guess they're like a witchetty grub looking thing oh. and they're really really hungry little beasts because they want to make a nice Christmas beetle and oh. so yeah look that would be my first port of call at the moment uh, right. and because it has been so hot if they're in there eating the root system away then your plant's going to wilt over and die mm. very quickly oh thanks Scott that's all right I so will here. do that and, and um, I suppose I really I'll have to change the uh, the potting mix, would you say? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and what can I do to kill these creatures? Well, the best thing to do is just discard the potting mix. I mean, they're not mm. a bad thing. If they're in the general garden, there's no problem. You know, they've got plenty mm. of home range to move around on and, you know, nature is, does its own thing. But when you've got them in a confined space like a pot, uh, mm. that's when they do do a lot of damage. There's nothing else to eat on. There's a whole lot of them in there because, of, you know, some beetles laid, laid its eggs in there mm. and they do a lot of damage to plants that way. But uh, look, otherwise, uh, you can just tip the potting mix out, let the magpies come and have a bit of a feast and uh, yes. start again. Okay, thank you. Okay, thanks for bye that, bye. Vicky. Appreciate it. It's a good way to get on the magpie side as well. I love the magpie. It's a good bird. Yeah. You've got to be nice to them because yeah. they remember you. They do. I've got a couple at the moment. They're chasing away my Indian minor flock that I've got in the backyard. Oh, good. Yeah, I'm without a shotgun. Otherwise, I've got to say, I probably would have taken it oh. to the Indian miner. I'm not a big fan of the Indian miners. No, not, not at all. They're too clever, by too far, but the magpie... Bigger, bolder, outwits them. I saw a magpie chase another bird that went to work today. Yeah, yeah, it was quite exciting. Well, what sort of bird? Wasn't an eagle of some oh, sort? It wasn't an eagle. No, no. it was no. a little, little, little black bird. Okay, that's like I think it was trying to steal a magpie's food, and the magpie just went no, nope. no. Nope. Yep, I'm chasing you away. Yeah, magpie v Indian miner. That's what I want to see. <laughs> bird battles. We got Pat now from Cessnock, and he needs advice about getting rid of crickets from his lawn. Hey, hello, Pat. How can we help you? Uh, good evening, Scott. It's Pat. Um, yeah, I've got a um, couple of sections on my lawn which seem to be increasing in size, which are being destroyed by what I'm really sure is mole crickets. I've um, I've done the safety water on them, and and some of them do come out, but mm-hmm. the areas are quite big to be doing that. Yeah, look, I think that's probably what it is. And I was talking with Todd on Friday morning uh, about this uh, because. At the moment, all our grass is, you know, pretty stressed. And what the mole crickets, the black beetle, the army grub come in and do, they're actually in there munching away at the root system of your grass. So when you've got a stressed lawn because of the weather conditions we've got at the moment, you are going to start to see those, you know, those bare patches come in, you know, quite quickly and easily. If it's raining, they tend, you know, the uh, army grub and cricket tends to be masked a bit because the lawn's just coping because there's, you know, moisture in the ground. Yeah. Um, so, look, you do have to treat with a chemical of some sort. Yep. 
a whole lot out there. You can get granular ones, hose-on ones, ones you mix up in the watering can or in the sprayer. Uh, the main thing, though, uh, when you're using, they all seem to work, you know, just about the same. But the main yeah. thing with the one when you're using it is to use it uh, later in the evening. And I would suggest even waiting till around dusk uh, yep. to go out there and do that. And the reason yep. for that is because in the heat of the day, those little insects go down deep. And then, yeah, and then they'll come back up to feed uh, when it starts to cool down, and that's when you're going to have your best effect. So if you go out there, say, at 11 or 12 o'clock in the day and, you know, decide you're going to do your poisoning then, uh, yeah. it's just going to sort of dry and, you know, evaporate away. You're not going to have much luck. Yeah. Uh, and also the other thing to do is just don't do the patches uh, that have been affected. Do your entire lawn because they've already had a feed where it's brown and they're moving into the nice juicy green bit right now uh, to, to continue having their dinner. Uh, yeah, but so, mate, if, if, you, if you take those two things on board, do it later probably. at night and do your whole lawn yep. uh, and then probably back up again in two weeks' time, uh, yeah, you should okay. have success well, the, with them, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the water intake was quite surprising. I did it out of the, um, out of the washing machine. Yes. And some, sometimes they, they, they were escaping at, at a rate, you know, but, but other areas they just didn't do that, so... Yeah, and yep. look, and that's another way to do it. If you like, if you've got a couple of friendly magpies, for instance, um, around your garden, you can do the soapy water trick and try and get the magpies into have a bit of a feed. But yeah, uh, yeah. look, it doesn't always work all the time. So, you know, unfortunately, eventually, you, you probably do have to treat with chemical of some sort. Any, any better than others? Uh, look, they, it just depends how you want to apply it. Uh, okay. It's all pretty much, there's one or two chemicals out there that do the job. Uh, like yep. I said, they can be in liquid form, granular form. Uh, ones you can just connect onto your hose and, and use as a hose on. But it, it's the way you apply it and yep. uh, when you apply it is the main thing. Okay, will do. Thank you very much. Okay, thanks for that, Pat. Cheers. Cheers, thanks, Pat. I think I've got time for a, maybe one or two more calls. We've got Julie from Warrnambool. And she's got a good tomato story. Oh, we, we've been looking for that good tomato story. Julie, far away, tell us what's been happening. Well, last year I did no good with tomatoes or the year before, so I thought I'll go back to basics. So yep. In September I bought three Rona tomatoes from the shop, sowed the seed, yes. ate the tomatoes, <laughs> and I've got a heap of Rona tomatoes. And uh, what, so have you got them out in the full sun? What sort of conditions have you got them in? Yes, full sun. Okay. Uh, look, Roma is a good little tomato to grow. Uh, it's sort of lost a little bit of popularity recently, but, I, you know, I always like them in salads. Um, yeah, so w what about any... You're watering, how often were you watering them to get... Every, them to well, I am. I'm, I picked uh, half a dozen again this morning. Um, every second day I water, unless I go down and do the finger touch and it's dry, and then I give them a, a dose, but... Every second day, um, I've just put a covering over the top. Yes. Because the, the sun's getting severe, but yeah, the Roma tomatoes have just gone gangbusters. Yeah, and, and that's but, what I, I, was, I was thinking just before, uh, you know, we were talking about tomatoes, and it could even be that the flowers are, are setting on people's tomato plants, but the sun's just so hot, it's just withering the flowers away before they even get time to to form into fruit. Now, you just mentioned one other good thing that people uh, often make a mistake with about tomatoes, and that is regular and systematic watering. Because I think um, people often go out and, you know, they'll think, oh, it's dry, and they give heaps of water there, to their tomato. If it has got fruit on there, then that tomato um, fruit will actually split. So it's very good to regularly water, and so the plant knows it's going to get a certain amount of water uh, each day or each second day um, to make it work. But... Uh, Thank you very much for that, Julie. Um, hopefully everyone's been listening and taken on some of those hints uh, to well, get their tomatoes growing. 
and sewing for the girl at Trim Seed. So yeah. I thought, well, I'll try the basics. I didn't do any waste because I planted the seeds and made the tomato. Okay, great. that's great. Thank you very much for that again. Okay. Cheers. Bye bye. Thank you, Julie. Scott Sharp, that's all we've got for our first. For 2020. Well, we got it over and done with. We, ma- done we made with. it. Mate, we don't have time for your joke. That's our... My joke, it is going to get better and better. I'm going to practice it during the week and... Uh... Do a couple of rehearsals. Should be good. So I'll be doing stand-up comp- like Seinfeld. <laughs> Next week, Scott Sharp's joke on Gardening Talkback. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.